I'll be reading from Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 4 through 7. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build homes and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there. And do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. The word of the Lord. Well, if if you've been with us, you, you no doubt know that we've been studying Jonah this fall, and... Uh, uh, when we began, when I first thought of that, I, I thought Jonah would be a great opportunity for us to um, think a little bit together about racial reconciliation. Well, Paige Severance is my preaching partner at All Souls, and we talk weekly about the sermons and the upcoming series, and I learn a lot from her. She has kind of given me some fresh eyes to look at the texts. And one day after a conversation, before, right before we started the series, I had this sense that I was not really going into Jonah to let Jonah speak, but I was trying to impose something I wanted the text to say. And that first week just had a real sense of God saying, I want you to step back, take your hands off, let the the wild God of Scripture just speak through this book. Let Jonah have his way with you. And brothers and sisters, he has. The word of the Lord has come to us in a most remarkable way, and he is speaking to us about our calling to this great city. And in a moment, I want to tell you a little bit more about how our Father's been working among us. But before I do, uh, I just want to take us back to Jeremiah 29, 4-7, the scripture that has been our North Star from the very beginning. Just a quick refresher, God's people were living as exiles in the city of Babylon. Uh, Babylonian troops had sacked Jerusalem. They dragged their citizens 700 miles across the desert. And the Jewish exiles hated their captors, despised their new city. And false prophets tickled their ears with easy promises of a fast return to the good old days back in Jerusalem. And God upends their hopes and says to their shock, hey, you know what? Actually, I'm the one that sent you into exile. God himself calls these people into exile. And why does he do it? To seek the city's peace. Seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. And that Hebrew word is shalom. Uh, We translate it peace, but it's bigger than that. It envisions wholeness, healing, restoration, alignment, a community of people flourishing, rightly connected to God, one another, and their environment. God has sent us into our city 
to seek her peace. Our church began in response to that command. Now, how are we to do that? Well, that's a whole sermon, and we won't give it tonight, but God gives his people two ways to seek the peace of the city in this passage. The first way is be present. Build houses, live in them, plant gardens, eat their produce, take wives, have sons, daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there, don't decrease. It's a very simple strategy. Be present in the city, settle in, buy a home, plant a garden, practice hospitality, live a beautiful life. And it's what we might call an incarnational strategy. John 1.14 in the message describes Jesus' ministry this way. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And that's what we've tried to do at All Souls. We've tried to be present by living a beautiful life, by supporting our restaurants, tipping well. I hope you still do that. Uh, our theaters, our galleries, working in our schools, Uh, serving in city council and school board. Uh, We have planted gardens. We've renovated houses. We've started swim teams. We've practiced hospitality. We've created spaces where people can ask hard questions about God and try to offer a gentle witness for Christ. Well, the second way we are to seek the peace of the city is to pray. Seek the peace of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. So we bless our city by praying for her peace. And so we've offered hundreds of hours of prayer for our city in the Mary Tarwater Prayer Chapel. We've prayed for physical healing and spiritual healing for hundreds of people. We've been learning a bit about the contemplative life because only as we abide deeply in Christ can we go into the city and serve. Prayer, uh, of course, in the Bible is a synonym for worship. The Babylonian armies destroyed the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, The Israelites' entire spirituality was built around worship in the temple. And when they wound up in exile, they didn't know really what to do. How do you worship in a city filled with other gods? And, And so God says, well, keep worshiping there. And this actually was when the first synagogues were created. And the exiles blessed their city by worshiping in their city. And that's what we've tried to do. I counted. We're almost up to 800 worship services where we have come together to retell the gospel story, to live within the circle of the Christian year, to pray and hope and weep and laugh, to try to be a little family living by a beautiful story. And some of our neighbors have joined us. Well, All Souls was planted by Cedar Springs Presbyterian Church in September of 2004. And about a year before the church began, John Wood, who was then the senior pastor of Cedar Springs, asked me to take a walk with him through the city. And uh, as we did, he told me a story and I may have shared it before, but it's important to our history. Uh, John was a pastor's son, and his devout parents sent him to Wheaton College, an evangelical Christian school in Chicago. John began to deconstruct his faith while at Wheaton, and he began to act in ways that uh, we might say were not consistent with the values of a 
a Bible school. Um, and John was invited to leave Wheaton and never come back. Um, <laughs> the, the year was 1967. The war in Vietnam was heating up. John joined the Navy. And, and one night, uh, before he shipped out, he wandered the streets of New York City. And somewhere in the middle of the night, he found his way into St. Patrick's Cathedral. The doors were open, and he spent the night praying and wrestling in an empty pew. John began to reconstruct his faith. And as we walked around downtown, John said, this is kind of what's been on my heart. This is what's on our church's heart, is to offer this kind of hospitable presence in the heart of our city. And I told him that God had put the same vision on my heart. Well, then the church planning team came together. They, they had actually identified a property on Gay Street that they thought would be ideal. Architectural plans were drawn up. But at the end of the day, the space did not work. And our first service was in the convention center. But that vision of being fully present downtown, of being a worshiping community in the heart of the city, of offering hospitality to our neighbors, has been there from the beginning. Uh, we began and then soon moved to the Holiday Inn at World's Fair Park. And then in 2006, we considered purchasing the Daylight Building. Uh, we had a congregational meeting in the building. We saw a tremendous opportunity, uh, but ultimately we determined that we just couldn't afford it. And then we were thrilled in 2008 when we moved here into Four Market Square. Uh, we've been a part now of a vibrant worshiping community in the heart of downtown. We've shared this space with another church, a restaurant, a residential learning community, thousands of guests. And we've played a small but significant role in the renewal of downtown. Now, in the winter of 2017, the shepherding team sat down with many All Souls family members and asked them two questions. Where are you finding life at All Souls? And what about All Souls drains you? And a number of you expressed a desire for our own space. We heard desires for more children's classrooms and more opportunities to meet during the week. We heard longings for a sacred space to marry our young, bury our dead. We heard dreams of art on the walls and poetry workshops and murals and gardens and rehearsal studios. We heard aching for beauty for the transcendent, for the numinous, for natural light, for a room without certain smells. <laughs> we heard cravings for a more hospitable space, more freely offered to our neighbors. And we heard some hard-nosed questions about stewardship. We've paid uh, half a million dollars in rent over our 15 years. The question was asked, wouldn't it make sense to put some of that money towards owning our own space? So we created a property team to explore the possibility of finding All Souls a permanent home in our city. Uh, and that team has consisted of Scott Branson, Mary Holbrook, Trevetta Johnson, <laughs> Melanie Leach, James Roberson, Jesse Watkins, Joe Morlock, Tommy Smith, Matt Spainhauer, Russ Walker, and Jana Morgan. And that hardworking team evaluated over 30 properties. And based on the team's recommendation, the shepherding team carefully considered one property in the old city. We gathered together on a cold January night in Jordan and Hannah Hauser's apartment 
to discern whether or not we should bring this property to you for your consideration. And for a variety of reasons, we discerned the answer was no. But we spent a long season of prayer that night. It's one of the most significant evenings in, in my life as a pastor. When I heard God clearly speak, and we did too, and it was that we should keep pursuing a permanent home. After six months went by, another property on North Broadway surfaced as an option. Uh, your shepherding team fasted, prayed, did due diligence, but once again heard no. Now, last January, we shared this with you in several family meetings. We sought your feedback, and, and the consensus seemed to be that we should continue to pursue a new home, but that we should not live beyond our means, and that somehow we should uh, have enough money to purchase it before we moved in. And as properties escalated downtown, uh, that, that tension uh, has often been hard to understand. How could we possibly do that? Well, in January, we began a strategic planning process where we've asked God to chart the course for the next chapter of All Souls, and we decided to hit pause on our property search. Now, James Roberson is a commercial real estate broker. He has worked tirelessly behind the scenes on our property search. And several weeks ago, James contacted us, and he said, you know, I know we've hit pause on the property search, but a great property has come available. It won't be available for long, though. This one will go fast, as everything downtown does. And so Betsy called together the officers of the shepherding team to hear more, and as we heard, our hearts soared, and then they sank. And this property would have been perfect. It would have met so many needs. It's in a part of downtown that is currently undergoing a massive renewal. And we would have an opportunity to seek the peace of a freshly revitalized corner of our city, just as we did here. It has much more space than we need. We use about 6,000 square feet. This building has 15,000 square feet plus a 6,000 square foot warehouse. The property has plenty of on-site parking. The extra space could provide an extra revenue stream if we leased it. So we were getting pretty excited, and we said, well, how much, James? <laughs> $2.2 million. So the meeting was over. Um, <laughs> we knew that even as generous as All Souls is, we couldn't afford anything. We said, do you think we could buy the garage? <laughs> we seriously did. And uh, that was a no-go. So we thanked James and went off into the night. And as so often happens in the Christian faith, just had this living in this tension of, okay, we're supposed to pursue something. We don't have the resources to do it. Lord, what are you doing? And he just seemed to say, wait. And then God did what... <clears throat> then, then God did what only God can do. A person who wishes to remain anonymous heard about the property, looked at the property, and came bursting into my office in the middle of a meeting and said, I've only heard God speak like this twice in my life. I heard God say, you need to buy this building and give it to all souls. And that is what I want to do. The Holy Spirit is leading me.
Suffice to say, we were shocked and humbled. We were at a loss for words. There was disbelief, weeping, shaking, and laughter. And then, of course, we found out that three other bids had been offered on the property and that they were closing bids at 5 p.m. that very day. Working with a donor, we submitted an offer of $2.5 million. For nine days, your shepherds prayed that the God who directed the giver would also direct the seller of the property. And after nine days, our offer was accepted. Likely, we've built the suspense quite enough. The The property that we're talking about is at the corner of 5th and Central Avenue. Now, when God called Jonah to bless the great city of Nineveh with the gospel, he didn't answer all of his questions ahead of time. He simply said, arise and go. And so your shepherds, who you asked to to lead you, unanimously believe that God is calling our family to arise and go to the corner of 5th and Central to begin a new chapter seeking the peace of our great city. And again, we have many questions and details to work out. There are teams already working on due diligence. And this week, you'll receive an email explaining how you can share your questions and your feedback with the shepherding team. Thankfully, the current owners of the property want to stay there for another six to eight months, so uh, we will have some time to pray and dream and plan. I realize this is the beginning of a very significant journey for us. So I want to end by just sharing four thoughts to keep in mind in the weeks and months ahead. First, we are not rich. Um, (laughs) We just received an amazing gift. Uh, We won't have to have a lease payment or a mortgage payment, but it will cost money to renovate and run the building. We'll learn more about these costs in the days ahead. And in the meantime, please continue your generous giving towards All Souls' mission in the city. Second, this does mean change. And change is hard. Even when change has a great opportunity, it can be stressful. And so, It is natural to feel both both joy and grief as we prepare to say goodbye to a space that has served us well for 11 years. It's natural to want to ask good questions like, how will this move change us? Will we be able to stay true to our core vision? How will we pay for the upkeep? And we will talk about those good questions. It's also natural to feel anxious about moving into a new neighborhood. The fifth and central neighborhood is changing dramatically. It's also a neighborhood of stunning diversity, with some of our most vulnerable neighbors living on the same block as some of our community's wealthiest neighbors. And really, it reminds me of what Market Square felt like 15 years ago. We have a tremendous opportunity to practice presence in prayer in one of our city's most dynamic neighborhoods. Third, We need to do this together. We know the what. We've been given a gift. We're going to embrace it. We don't know the how. 
We don't know how God wants to shape this space for mission. We don't really know the needs of the neighborhood. We don't know anything yet about what we might lease and what we could keep. We don't know what ministries will emerge in these spaces. spaces, And this is something we have to discern together. In one sense, we need to get into the space and let the space speak to us. We are a family. Our family is moving into new home. And while the building details are important, what makes a home is the people who live in it. And what matters the most is the quality of our relationships. Like any family, we're going to have a lot of conversations about how we want to live in this new space. And we will have different dreams and visions of what might happen there. And nobody will get everything they dream of. We can count on that. And as with any family, we're going to have conflict as we try to steward this new gift. This makes me anxious. This will be my fourth church building program. Uh, They can be beautiful, glorious, and hard. But honestly, as I pray about it, this is the part of this whole journey that excites me the most for our congregation. As a friend said to me, I've never known any model of growth that didn't involve disruptive change. I just sense that it's time for us to be disrupted. And that in the midst of this, and it's not going to be easy, it's going to be fun, but it's not going to be easy. In the midst of this time, we are going to have an opportunity to love each other well, to be curious about one another when we disagree, to learn about gifts that we didn't know one another had. The most important thing that needs to happen as we do this is that we grow in our love for one another. The donor did call uh, yesterday and they said, I I just have one thing I want you to ask. Don't make this about me. Now that the gift has been given, let's have no more talk about the donor. Every gift, large or small, is equally important. Now others can bring their gifts, whatever they are as well. I wrote this down. I only have one condition on this gift, Doug. Whatever you all do, You all must do it together. Can we honor that? I I know it's fascinating to, you know, speculate. That's not helpful. No need to figure out who this person is. Uh, All good gifts come from the Lord, and they don't want any glory for it. Now, one way we can begin this journey together is is by praying. And uh, three prayer requests. As we arise and go, uh, for starters, pray the final details will all be worked out for the purchase of the building. Now, we had a little bit of a debate because it's not done yet. If you ever bought a home, you know there's a lot that goes into it. And we decided, no, we're a family. Let's bring everybody in before it's all done so that we can pray and be a part of this Together, anytime you buy a home, things can go wrong in the final hours. Uh, pray that they don't. Second, pray that we will discern God's vision for this property. This is very important. 
we really have to discern why God is moving us into this space and what he wants to do with this incredible resource. And then finally, pray that we will love one another well and be unified through this process. The last thought I'll share with you before we come to the table is the Lord of hosts will go before us. God's word of the exiles begins, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. And the word host refers to angelic armies. And the Hebrew writers love to call God the Lord of hosts. Originally, it meant the Lord who rules over all the angelic armies. And then over time, it expanded to mean the Lord who can do anything and bring something out of nothing. And when Hannah, in her barrenness, cries out for a child, she prays to the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts has done this for us. He has provided what we could not provide for ourselves. And what I'm sharing with you tonight is more than a story about a great property or a great act of generosity. Tonight we are celebrating the Lord of hosts sending us into a new corner of our city. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. The God who brought us here will continue to lead us into our future. And I will go, I was going to wait to ask you this later, but I'm going to start it, and I've already asked the shepherds to do it. Would you consider fasting a meal a week uh, until we move in to pray for those three? Um, This is a spiritual journey. This is not just about bricks and mortar. Well, how should we respond now to God's gift to us? We will respond as we do every week by coming to the table. The table reminds us of the miraculous generosity of our God. He is the source of every good gift. Let's come to the table tonight and give him thanks. Every family has a story. Welcome to the next chapter of ours.